This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast, podcast. Chavo Guerrero responds to online criticism about his recent tweets and comments about Rey Mysterio. Mark Briscoe opens up about his brother Jay Briscoe's passing and if he still feels Jay with him when he makes his way down that aisle. Eric Bischoff speculates on whether AEW has too many hours of TV. And AEW is set to make a huge announcement, which is rumored to be the new TV show and a whole new TV deal. I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. What the fuck is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. I am your boy, Seth Grimes, here on a rainy-ass weekend. How was your week? How are you guys doing? Slow fucking news week in wrestling. Ahead uh, of a probably huge news week in wrestling next week course the big AEW TV deal uh, situation that is uh, speculated to be announced next week we'll go ahead and get into that on the show here otherwise it was a slow week man Uh, not a lot of news happening out in podcast land so I'm gonna do a little bit of a shorter episode here this week either that or I'm just gonna talk a lot more we'll see how it plays out Um, you know maybe I'll have a lot to talk about and I'll be able to fill the time just fine um, but there wasn't a lot of super great highlights this week. I'm sorry. You know, my show is the content comes from the internet and there just wasn't a lot out there this week to pick from, at least not that I seen and I keep a pretty good eye out, but who knows? Um, but I'm sure you will like the conversations we're about to get into here on this episode. So let's go ahead and dive on into it. Episode 81, by the way. 80 fucking one we're in the 80s now the greatest decade in the history of life the 80s i'm excited to dive on in here we're creeping our way up to a hundred and i am creeping my way up to a thousand subscribers too i appreciate each and every one of you guys that have subscribed i hit my microphone anyone subscribed to the youtube channel thank you so much if you haven't yet and you're listening to this please for the love of fucking god help me get to that thousand so we can start monetizing this bitch start pumping out more content i'm excited to do it uh great show to get into so let's just go ahead and dive on in before we do while we are begging you for subscriptions and all of that if you could also please like follow and subscribe at seth grimes media on facebook if you're on there tiktok if you're on there or twitter if you're on there i do post reels and tiktoks and memes and little fucking random thoughts and all that stuff it's a fun place to hang out come hang out with me to get a lot more content besides this show but speaking of this show let's go ahead and dive on into our first topic here today 
So I apologize for the shitty cell phone video and the shitty cell phone audio, but as I sit down here to finish the podcast, to save it, render it out, and upload it for you guys this morning, I woke up to breaking news. Uh, apparently, Matt Hardy's Twitter has been hacked. And oh boy, did we get some interesting tweets. Let's go ahead and pop those up on the screen here. First one we have, we have under Matt Hardy, at Matt Hardy brand official. I fucking hate my ugly ass wife. (laughs) At Rebby Hardy. Thanks for sleeping with my brother, stupid bitch. Yikes. Immediately following that, we had, uh, or it looks like this came in before it, actually. The reason I don't talk to Jeff anymore is because he tried to sleep with my daughter. Daughter. Matt Hardy's daughter is like three, four, five. That little gothic chick. Uh, Continues. I don't know the exact order of these. Here we go. Matt Hardy, that stupid fucking sexual assault pedo Vince McMahon is a fraud and stole two million from me. Go back to touching little girls, you stupid old freak. Next tweet. Me and Jeff's beef was real. He fucked my wife because I made fun of his wife for having a yeast infection. Hashtag it's true. (laughs) Oh, boy. I got a bad sense of humor. Next tweet. Should I leak the DMs of my wife at Rebby Hardy saying the N-word? Let me know, y'all. I love my fellow black. I'm not going to say that word. N-words. Much love. At King James. Self-censored there, though you can see it on the screen. And then finally, at Tony Khan, you're a bitch and are only relevant because of your billionaire dad. Worst boss ever. So clearly, obviously, he was hacked. I don't believe for a second that that was Matt Hardy saying all of that. These tweets came in late last night, so uh, around 10 p.m.-ish, and they just kept going. I don't know if there's more, if I've missed some, but that's what I was able to gather for you guys. Um, I don't think we've seen one this extreme yet, have we? No pun intended for Matt Hardy. But have we seen any major hackings like that where... Uh, high-profile professional wrestlers just saying all of this ridiculous stuff on Twitter. And it is ridiculous. A lot of this is really stupid. Though uh, calling Vince McMahon a sexual assaulting pedo is funny. Though I don't think he's a pedo. I wouldn't go that far. I don't know what the point of this was, just to hack and have some fun. I don't know. I don't... uh, Don't know the motivations behind hackers that just want to post crazy tweets like this, but it certainly uh, stirred up some buzz. It was all over social media as I woke up uh, to the point where I just, I can't ignore it for the show. Couldn't, in good consciousness, upload the show and and finalize it out without addressing this. So, um, again, I apologize that I'm not down in my studio doing it on the more professional setup. 
Uh, the audio is going to be a little bit wonky on this one, but I uh, did want to address it. Didn't want to leave it out. This is breaking news as I'm editing this podcast and getting it up. Hopefully nobody hacks into my account and says all this ridiculous stuff. Everybody knows Matt Hardy wouldn't say things like this. Um, especially at Revy. My God, you do you not want to take shots at Revy. Revy will stab somebody. That chick, that chick will stab somebody. If I was Matt, I would, I would mind my P's and Q's every single moment. I probably wouldn't even be married to that woman, to be honest with you. She's, uh, she's intense. She's a bit much. Matt's pretty chill, so they kind of balance each other out. But she's uh, not the woman to fuck with. And I can't imagine that she took too kindly to this. I can only imagine. I don't know if she's posted anything, but I can only imagine if it was, if she responded to this, and uh, what she would do or say to the person <laughs> if she uh, found out who it was. But um, probably just some fan, just some fucking fan. I don't know why Matt Hardy's account, of all people, I don't know how hacking works, if you just figure out the password or if there's like a, uh, I'm sure there's an easier way to do it. So I don't know why Matt was the target, but that's what we know at this time. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and leave it there so I can get this goddamn podcast uploaded and hopefully nothing else breaks while I'm fucking editing and uploading. Uh, I've never done it like this before, so... Uh, interesting. But uh, leave your thoughts down in the comments below. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. Oh, yeah! That's how it is, right? Three. V1. All Elite Wrestling, AEW, is making a huge announcement next week, this week, depending on when you're listening to this, last week, perhaps, who knows. But it is rumored that AEW is going to be announcing their new TV deal. If not the whole new TV deal, then at least the new show Collision, the CM Punk show, CM Punk and Friends. Uh, This show is speculated to be making its debut in June and uh, is speculated to be announced at the upfronts, which is where all the media companies, the TV and all that stuff announce their big plan for the year. What do we got coming for you? What's our show lineup? Do we got any new shows coming out? Any new this, that or whatever? The upfronts is where all the TV networks Put their best foot forward and say, this is what you can expect from us this year. Uh, So it is rumored that there are big things in the works, including a possible billion dollar deal. For more on this, take a listen to this clip with your boy and my boy and Jim Cornette's boy, Dave Meltzer. I think we all know the big announcement. Well, we know They've got a new television show. You got a new television show Saturday night on TNT, 8 to 10 p.m. AEW Collision. Yes. Yeah. And a new deal. So, so it is a new deal. What yes. does that mean? They've renegotiated the current deal, which is not up yet, and they've got a new deal starting from scratch, or? Yes. 
Okay. There's a new there's a new deal. So basically what happened in 2000 or uh 2020. Yeah, what happened in 2020. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So with the the as far as what the new deal is, there's all kinds of rumors, but uh the only thing I know is that there is a new deal and um we've actually talked about some of it already, you know, it's that uh AEW will be exclusive to Warner Brothers Discovery, whatever that means. That means all of the product that is on, will be taped will be on one of their platforms. Whether that means streaming, we don't know. Nothing has been announced for streaming. Perhaps there will be. Perhaps it will be only television. Um, you know, Rampage will continue on TNT on Friday nights from 10 to 11. Um, Collision will start. And uh, Dynamite will continue on TBS. And, um, you know, I mean, that much we know, money-wise, all kinds of numbers thrown, being floated around. Don't know what they are. Length of the term, we'll find out. I think that some of that, if not most of it, will come out, um, you know, over the next week or, or on Wednesday. I mean, nothing's going to be – nothing will be announced anywhere until Wednesday. Um, you know, that's the deal that both sides have. But I did get it confirmed that, uh, you know, there is a new television deal in play. And, uh, you know, as far as, like, what is going to happen with the, as far as, like, brands, you know, guys going back and forth or whatever, um, you know, that changes daily anyway. So it's like nobody really knows. So look, at the very least, I think Wednesday we get the announcement of the new show, Collision. Um, but we are most likely going to get because the upfronts are that same day next Wednesday for Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, it's very likely that they're going to announce a whole new TV deal or partnership with AEW. And it's speculated to be a billion or a billion plus, a billion one, billion two, billion five. Probably not that high, but you get the point. AEW's joining the billion-dollar TV deal club for professional wrestling, a feat that nobody has ever, ever done before other than the WWE. Now, you'll look out on the internet and you'll see all the haters, and I've seen it all, and you've seen it all as well. Look, you're allowed to hate AEW. There's nothing wrong with that. Hate AEW all you want till your little heart's content. That's fine. They have enough people to fill a stadium over in England and clearly doing well enough in the ratings for TBS and TNT to warrant a whole new package deal. And this is an early deal, by the way, because their contract is not set to expire till next year. The Dynamite deal, which is why Meltzer is hesitant to say this is a whole new uh, deal, or, or I think he did say that they are scrapping everything, but he doesn't know for sure. They're scrapping the current deal, and they're just doing a whole new deal, similar to what they did last time. You know, they, they basically tore up the original deal, similar, you know, the MJF treatment, right? You know, I'm, I am proving my worth, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm exceeding the amount that I'm getting paid. What do you guys think about uh, doing a new deal ski here? And see, reevaluating our worth. This is huge for AEW. And as I was saying, well, a lot of the haters out there will find any reason to take the piss out of AEW for this. From that Mike Coppinger fuckface last week, putting that tweet out. Oh, I heard they were only set for forty thousand. Well, now they've sold sixty thousand plus, and they've been quiet about that, by the way. So it'll be interesting to hear. 
if uh, you know they're they're waiting to announce that it's been sold out because there are rumors that there's like a thousand fucking tickets left. Um, we'll see how that plays out. But the haters, I mean, God, they come out of everywhere. You've heard that. Oh, this isn't that big of a deal, really, compared to WWE. Oh, WWE, comparatively, you know, they make many more monies, uh, so AEW stupid. And that seems to be the general gist. They're fucking making up stories for the the, uh, the, the Wembley Stadium gimmick, and now they're making up stories and, and trying to say anything they can to take the piss out of AEW and soothe their bruised egos saying that they'll either never get to a billion or a billion's not that much, really. It's only like 200000 a month, a year. That ain't really much, really. Fuck off, man. There is no TV... No wrestling company has gotten a TV deal like this in the history of professional wrestling other than WWE. This is huge. And I don't know how you can call yourself a wrestling fan if you're the one out there wishing for AEW to die and go away and trying to take the piss out of them and aren't excited for this TV deal because this gives all of the wrestlers more security, gives them more, uh, gives them a place to work long term. AEW is as secure as ever right now. They are secure like a motherfucker. Like an MJF, for example, if he's thinking about going to where the highest bidder is, he might not end up in WWE. Tony Khan could have always paid the money anyway. We all know that. But this is a situation where this is going to change the game for professional wrestling, period. They're going to be able to offer bigger contracts. They're going to be able to compete with the big boys. Tony Khan could run out and pull a John Cena right now if he wanted to. Don't think he can't. Don't fucking scoff at that. He's got all the money in the world to play with right now. And $200 million per year gives him a whole lot to work with. He could take fucking $20 million as his talent budget. Right? A fucking... What's that? Not even a such a small percentile of what he's making. He can set his talent budget for twenty million dollars and have the most stacked fucking roster. Cause really only the, the upper car main event card is making a million plus. Undercard as low as a hundred thousand dollars a year, probably. Now I've heard that WWE isn't offering anything less than two hundred and fifty thousand. And I know Tony Khan's a pretty generous guy, so maybe 200, 250,000 for undercard guys. Doesn't matter. 20 million buys you a fucking stacked roster. How about 25 million? Fine. 30 million. 50 million. And you got your live event production for the rest of it. You try to try to run the entire company under 100 million if you can, or at 100 million. And then put the other 100 million in your pocket as the company's fucking profit. Uh, even if there's only 50 million a year, you know, and the rest goes on production and talent and all of that. 20 million a year. 20 million is probably not much, but you get my point. That's so much money. They can do anything that they want to now. Production value is going to be stellar. The talent roster be bussing. They are in their secure. They're not going anywhere for five fucking years. Now, a lot can change in five years, but I don't think it will. It's too early to talk about that, but any wrestler looking about where do I want to spend my time now, what's the right move for me, 
AEW is a major player in this conversation now. And to to have that kind of in, in TNT, TBS is a huge reach. That's a major TV deal to be in. And the look, they're looking to book content around AEW. That's what that slap fight was specifically brought on to do. It was put right after AEW because AEW is an anchor program now. They're going to take AEW and they're going to build shit around it. Period. That's why they got the reality show after as well. They're just going to keep investing in AEW because AEW is pulling numbers for them. They're doing great. They're doing great. Even if it's under a million, their key demographic is 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 stellar. It's not beating WWE, but it doesn't have to. It just has to do really, really fucking good compared to other TV shows on in that time slot. And it does consistently. And the key demo is where it's at for advertisers. Period. End of story. That's not a fucking made up myth. The oh, you know, only under under a million people watch. Yeah, but they're all fucking the age that people want to advertise to. So it's it's a big deal. <clears throat> and then the rumor even goes that it's exclusivity, so it's gonna take them off of YouTube. They can't even have a YouTube show. They have to be exclusive to Warner Brothers. That's why those other two can't, shows were canceled. Uh, and there's rumors that this could move into the streaming service as well. This could make its move onto the uh, Max streaming platform, which is a stupid fucking name. Should have just kept it HBO Max or HBO. Home box office. HBO has been a brand since I was a little kid. Since the 80s, they were doing shit. Oz... <clears throat> The Sopranos. It's all HBO shit. But if they end up getting on the streaming service, even if it's their back catalog, and then, you know, like a day late or a couple days late, episodes of Dynamite and Rampage and Collision, fuck, even if they can get the Ring of Honor content on there as well. It's a big deal. This is a game changer for wrestling. And I know a lot of people out there want to hate and be haters about it. And and they want to think that it's not a big deal. And they're just wrong. This is a huge move. Uh, I'm not going to have a whole lot else to say about it. Because I really also want to... I'm going to spend some time on it next week. Once this is announced, we're going to cover... You know, I'm going to talk every intricate detail of this thing through and through. So... I'm going to dive into this a lot deeper at the time at right now. This is just purely speculation, but based off what we're hearing, uh, everything, this looks, it's up, up and away for AEW, man. They're fucking hitting the ground running and they are on fucking fire. It's great. It's great news for the entire pro wrestling industry. And if you don't think so, you're not a true pro wrestling fan. You're a tribalist. You're a fucking WWE fan bootlick or fanboy or something but you don't have to like AEW to recognize that it's important for an AEW to exist it gets guys bigger contracts guys look look what happened when AEW was first starting and WWE offered all those guys big contracts now they let a lot of those guys go but the contracts 
have been significantly increased for talent since AEW's been around. And they have more leverage. They don't like their booking. They don't like their pay. They don't feel like they're being treated the way that they feel like they should be treated. They can always... Triple H knows when he's negotiating with these people now that they have AEW that they can go to. Vince always had them over a barrel for the longest time since WCW died. What, are you going to go to TNA? Go for it. Have fun. Peace. We'll see you when you come back. AEW is a different story. Guys can go make million, multi-million dollar careers at AEW. And that's important. That's a good thing. It gives guys negotiating. That gives guys bigger contracts all around. It's secure for the business, the competition, whether you consider it competition or not. Regardless, there's the tribalism, there's the beefing, there's the back and forth. There's guys jumping ship to each other. It's good for the business. It keeps people talking, keeps people engaged. All of that shit keeps all these dirt sheet writers fucking employed. It's good for the business. With AEW's new TV deal looming this week and the announcement of the new show, Collision, it begs the question, is AEW taking on too many TV shows? Are they taking on too much content to handle? Are they stretching themselves too thin? Perhaps. We've always heard Eric Bischoff talk about this where he always said that everything was fine and dandy with WCW when it was just Nitro. And Saturday night, of course, they produced that. But when they were asked to take on the next show, Thunder, that's when everything went downhill. A second show, they were stretched too thin. The roster got fucking played out. It was all downhill from there. So Eric Bischoff has always been very doom and gloom about this sort of thing. And he was just the same here on the Strictly Business podcast where he said it straight up that he thinks AEW is going to be spreading themselves too thin. Check out this clip. To create yet another show, this makes three for AEW right now, which I think they're in way over their head, by the way. I, I think... Eventually, downstream, this is going to prove to be a real challenge for AEW, just like it was for WWE and certainly like it was for me. Too much, and I've said this from day one, this is not new. Diluting your brand and diluting your core story with ancillary programming, while financially viable and exciting, eventually comes back to bite you in the ass. Because you're just diluting your own product. And eventually you dilute it to the point where no one feels like they have to watch anything. I don't have to watch Dynamite because I can watch Rampage. I don't have to watch Rampage because I can watch Saturday Night. I don't have to watch Saturday Night because I can watch Max. I don't have to watch any of it because I can get it on my computer. So the more content you have, unless it's really, really unique to each other, the chances of diluting your core product and your, and your, your audience is significant i completely disagree and here's why smackdown smackdown started in what 1999 it's almost 25 years old 
WWE has been producing two TV shows a week for 25 years. Plus main event and in whatever the fuck else they have. Superstars, is that still a thing? Superstars, they have that show. <clears throat> and Raw's three hours. So with AEW taking on Collision, Collision, another two-hour show every week. Added to Rampage, added to Dynamite. That's five hours of fucking TV now that they have to produce. Well, part of it was they were already uh, producing another two hours of TV per week with Dark and Dark Elevation. It was just for YouTube, not, uh, not national TV. So they were still producing two more hours of pro wrestling content. But I feel like it'll be different now. You know, Dark and Dark Elevation were designed for indie guys and up-and-comers and squash matches and showcases and reps. That's something that Tony's not going to want to do with these new shows. Rampage, he's already losing. Rampage is already a, a shit show. And this could be, that could be a sign of things to come for Collision and Dynamite. <clears throat> Rampage was good for like a month when it started. And then it just shit fucking week after week after week. It continued to drop in the ratings. And Tony Khan did nothing about it. There was no reason to make it a priority show to watch. He booked the shitty matches on there. And sure, if you like a good wrestling match, you like to watch matches for the sake of watching matches, then you got Rampage and you got more content that you can enjoy. But was it ever must-see other than when CM Punk debuted? No, not really. I don't think there was ever anything that was really must-see on Rampage. And then Tony Khan said this was after the uh, summer where, shit, where they lost Punk and Brian Danielson was injured and Adam Cole was injured and they were short a lot of guys. And Tony Khan's excuse was for Rampage being a failure, he said at a press conference, was that he needed his star power on Dynamite. And now once now that he's getting some of his talent back, that they're going to be cleared soon or whatever, that he would start making Rampage a priority again. And he hasn't. Part of this is because Rampage is taped, too. I see a lot of people, a lot of people commenting online that the reason they don't watch Rampage or care about Rampage is because they already know the results. They can just look them up because it's pre-taped. That could be. You could just not look up the spoilers. I don't look up the spoilers. But I also don't watch Rampage or care. And guess what? I'm not missing anything. Right? Very few times has there ever been a reason for me to seek out Rampage. Uh, the final delete or the what was that one that they just the 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 firm deletion they put it on YouTube that would have been oh, I was actually thinking about checking out Rampage not live nobody's watching TV at that late on a Friday night sorry if you are my apologies um, but I thought about seeking it out but then they put it on YouTube so yeah no need to watch the rest of the show. Who cares? And I think maybe the other one was when Ruby Soho was all busted open. They had that crazy women's fucking debacle, the blood bath match that they had there. 
but rarely do I care about Rampage. So is that a sign that Collision is going to be much the same? Plus, Tony Khan's got Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor, Rampage, Dynamite, Collision. That's a lot of fucking TV to book while you're also working you know, for the Jaguars, running the Jags, and you're also running Fulham, and you also got your stats company that he's got. Plus, he's a nerd who likes to watch wrestling, so he's probably watching all the other wrestling out there too, WWE and indie stuff and Impact and New Japan. And Fuck, man, where does this guy find time in the day without a pile of cocaine in front of him? I hope he knows that, Tony Khan. Why everybody thinks he's a coke addict is because he has entirely too much work to do, yet does it. And he's always fucking nervous and awkward and rambling. And his eyes are always like this. And he never blinks. Thank you to our great AEW fans. Next week we have a huge announcement coming for you this uh, Wednesday on Dynamite. You can blink. You can take a breath. You can slow it down a little bit. He's got a girlfriend. I wonder what she thinks about all that shit. It's probably just he's just a money money mark to her too, right? Maybe not. <clears throat> Maybe they're in love. The fuck do I know? That was a rude thing to say and even speculate on. But really, <laughs> I wonder how she feels about his nervous, twitchy, bug-eyed ass. It's weird. It's weird. Unless he's on cocaine. Then it's not weird. Then it's explained. And then you go, oh, yeah, well, that, I mean, that makes sense then. He's on cocaine. If you're on cocaine, you look like that, you act like that, you got energy to do it. I almost guarantee the motherfucker's on cocaine. You already know he's on the weed. It's already been said. I think there was a couple people who've come out and said they've smoked weed with Tony Khan. Weed's a gateway drug, so clearly he has access to cocaine now, doesn't he? And all the money in the world to play. And, and, and reason to take it. I'm just speculating here. We're just speculating. <clears throat> I do worry that collision or and or dynamite could be significantly watered down. I do. I think he needs help now. And I think that's what that hire from Will Washington was uh, a very strategic hire to help keep Tony Khan organized, to keep, uh, you know, uh, continuity and uh, make sure that everybody's getting used on the roster. You know, everybody talked about how Tony Khan had this bloated-ass roster. Well, now he's got a place for each of them. And I don't know, you heard Meltzer say, or it wasn't in this clip, it was in a previous clip, Meltzer said that the brand split's still up in the air. Uh, I almost burped. That wouldn't have been good for content. It's no good for content. Um... That the brand split thing is sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. I don't know that they need it. Just do a soft one. Maybe Punk is on collision more. And if he's not, maybe when he's on Dynamite, the Bucks are on collision. Miro's back now. Thunder Rosa's back. You got Jade with the TBS title, which is basically a world title at this point because she's made it so strong. Got the All Atlantic title you can do on one show, or the uh, what, what international title it is now, and then the TBS TNT title on the other show. 
world title on both brands, tag titles on one show, the trios titles on another. And it doesn't need to be a hard split. You can switch them back and forth. But you got room for all of this content now. You've got somewhere to showcase it. Rumors are a lot of the indie guys and, and underutilized talent will be getting more work in Ring of Honor now. I don't know what they're going to be doing with Rampage. I don't know if it's going to be like a main event or superstars or if they're just going to kind of keep it the way it is where it's kind of pointless and nobody cares, but they still have some decent matches on there. But Rampage, or I'm sorry, Dynamite and Collision need to be newsworthy. How do you do that? You got you to gotta have help on your booking team. You got your Will Washington there. That's great, but he's not your... he's. He's your continuity guy. He's your uh, making sure everything's kind of working across the board on all the different media and all that. But you also have to have a creative team around you. I've heard Chris Jericho is heavily involved. Jake the Snake was just talking about that on his podcast. He had said that Chris Jericho was significantly involved in everything backstage and even went as far as to say he's the most powerful man in wrestling right now or one of that's 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 a very high statement from Jake the Snake now obviously he's not the most powerful man in wrestling but one of he's probably running a lot of shit backstage bring him in closer bring in a creative team you got Jeff Jarrett there. I would put Jeff Jarrett in front of Ring of Honor and not even think about Ring of Honor. Oversee it. Watch the show. Send notes to Jarrett. That's it. Watch the show when it's produced. Send notes. And we even need to approve the script necessarily, you know, or the, the card or the match ma- matches or the angles or the storylines or anything like that. Just watch the show. Trust that Jeff will take it in a good direction. Send notes every week. Didn't like this, like this. More of this, less of this. Let's do this with this guy. He can add his input. Let's push the, I want this guy as the champion, all of that. He can do that, but he doesn't need to book the fucking, he doesn't need to book the intricacies of it. Lean on Jeff Jarrett. Lean on other people. Be a decider at this point. You're, you're, you've grown to a point where there's too much work for you to write down in your stupid little notebook. Be a decider. Like George W. Bush. I'm a decider. A decider. Um, <laughs> that's really it. Put people in charge of the shit and then you won't be stretched too thin. And use talent separately. I don't care if it's a hard split. I don't particularly like hard brand splits, but fuck it. You know, you got enough talent for it and it will give everybody a reason to want to watch both shows. Definitely do not use the same wrestlers on both shows or continue the same storyline on both shows. That will dilute everything. That's what happened with Thunder. That was the problem with Thunder. Also, according to Bischoff, he wasn't getting any more money to produce that either, which didn't help their bottom line at all. But they also didn't do a brand split. Bischoff always likes to fucking... Always likes to fancy himself the originator of the brand split idea. We were going to create an NWO and a WCW, and they were going to be two separate things. Sure, 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 sure. But we just didn't. Instead, we used all the guys on both shows all the time. 
That can't happen with these two. It's got to be, you got to only see Miro once a week. You got to only see Punk once a week. FTR once a week. And I think if you're able to do that and you have help creating storylines, compelling storylines, help booking matches, have somebody book your undercard shit for you. The stuff that doesn't mean as much. Tony can sit down with his stupid little notebook and he can book out all his main events and all his top stars and all of his title matches, all his main storylines that he wants to do still if he likes. Then let somebody fill out the rest of the card with fluff or undercard storylines. Delegate, trust people, oversee them, overrule them if you need to, replace them if you need to. But you don't need to do it all yourself. But if he's able to bring in help, which it looks like he's trying to do at the very least, he's got help now on the talent relations side. And now he's got help uh, at least with the, I don't remember Will Washington's official title, but he's going to help Tony kind of keep track of all this shit more or less. Keep it all organized and on point. And I think Will's going to be great for that, by the way. He's a smart, smart guy. I think uh, people criticizing that hire are, I don't know. I don't want to say they're stupid, but they're fucking stupid, right? I mean, Will Washington, smart guy, just because he's never worked in the business before. Sometimes you need that outside guy, that outside perspective. He's got a good mind for the business. He's smart. He'll do just fine. Tony needs more help, and he needs to keep those rosters separate, or at least separate talent on each show. I don't care which way they do it, brand split or FTRs on Dynamite one week and Collision the next week, or however you want to do it. That's the way to succeed, and WWE has a proven fucking model. There's your model. WWE has produced two shows, three shows for 25 years. 24 years. I think the SmackDown 25-year anniversary will be next year in 2024. It's insane. In fucking insane. But it can obviously be done. But WWE also has a big, big machine. It wasn't Vince McMahon sitting down with his notebook fucking booking it out week to week, Booker of the Year style, you know? That's why he wasn't Booker of the Year, though. See, he doesn't, he doesn't have the notebook, you see. I'm curious what you guys think. What are your thoughts on the new shows? Is AEW stretching themselves too thin? Certainly they're in danger of it. I think we've made that clear. It's a possibility. Uh, but if Tony d- makes all the right moves, delegates, keeps the rosters separated for the most part, He's got people to help with storylines, and he, he fucks off with Ring of Honor altogether. I think that they can make it work. But I'm curious your thoughts. Leave them in the comments below. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. 
It was two weeks ago here on the show that we covered a story with Chavo Guerrero. While doing an autograph signing, he drinking a little bit of beer, relaxing a little bit, feeling himself a little bit. Decided to kind of take a few shots at Rey Mysterio. And then he doubled down on those comments on Twitter. And then went back and said it was all the work. Just playing. Just joshing you. I'm just having some fun. Right? Just a heel being a heel. Lie, cheat, and steal. Right? And I covered it two weeks ago and I said I wasn't so sure about that. But just for the refresher, go ahead and take a look at this clip from that episode where we listen to Chavo's exact words and then take a look at his tweets and then we'll be back with the latest. I just don't understand why Ray Mysterio still has to... Look, we all love Eddie. But we're not going out with his gimmick. And, and our gimmick, I mean, our gimmick, it was Los Guerreros' gimmick. And coming out to Los Guerreros, we lie, we cheat, we steal. Uh, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, keep your name's memory right. I said, no, dude, you're, 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 I'm tired of people. This is true. This is not a bitter thing. This is true. I'm tired. We worked hard for that last name. We worked, this whole family worked really, really hard to keep that name, to get that name to where it was. And we're tired of people, um, prostituting it in a sense and using it for their benefit. So, Ray Mysterio, I'm sorry that no one knows who Ray Mysterio Sr. is. <laughs> no one knows who he is. And I'm sorry that you have to latch on the Guerrero family. And you're just kind of tired of it. So, thank you for keeping Andrew Sage alive. Thank you for keeping the Guerrero name alive. But we don't need you. We're good. You know what I'm saying? Then, after hearing that clip, Chavo doubled down. And he took to Twitter and he left this tweet here. We can show this on screen from Chavo Guerrero Jr. at Max Warrior. If at Rey Mysterio, ooh, he added him too. Come at me, bro. He <laughs> he. Uh, <laughs> is really mentioning the Guerrero name only in tribute and not to line his own pockets with cash. Maybe he'll donate some of that money to charity. Or even better, how about to Eddie's daughters? That will show myself and the fans that he's not prostituting the family name. Oof. That was nasty. But it wasn't long after that that Chavo Guerrero quickly changed his tune, tweeting this one here. This is how a heel should tweet. Hook, line, and sinker. I still got it. So after all that, Chavo did his best work online to just cover his tracks and say it was all a work and that we're all a bunch of dumb marks. We just fell for it. Oh, it was just that easy, he likes to say. Perhaps, perhaps I'm a dumb fucking mark. I don't know. But it was in this interview with Chris Van Vliet on the Insight podcast where CVV brought up this controversial 
comment or these controversial comments about Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. And Chavo continued to kind of back it down a little bit. But then he's just right at the end. He slipped a little extra little shot in there. I want you to keep in mind the clip that you just listened to with Chavo and everything he said. And if you're watching, you saw his face, right? Because he's going to tell you here now on Chris Van Vliet that it was all tongue-in-cheek. That you could clearly see he was just joking, just having some fun. Did it look like that to you? Maybe hit rewind and, and, and give it another listen. Otherwise, check out this clip from the Insight Podcast with a sit-down interview of Chavo Guerrero with Chris Van Vliet. So you created uh, some real heat recently here. Yeah, man. People actually think that you are upset with Rey Mysterio talking about Eddie Guerrero and paying tribute to Eddie. Look, people, look I've said it before, and, and Vince 100% believes this, just like Jerry Jarrett, that the, the Jeff Jarrett's father. Yeah. Real issues create real money. Mm. And when th this is nothing that I didn't do in 2007. It was the same thing. You're, you want to be a Guerrero. You're not, you'll never be a Guerrero. You're jealous of us, that whole thing. And people just latched onto it. Yeah. So uh, Nick Hausman texts me and goes, uh, hey, man, your stuff's all over the news. What do you like internet and stuff? What do you mean? Like, your yeah. post picked it up. What? And I'm like, really? I, mean, I literally was kind of being tongue in cheek on it, you know? I'm kind of laughing about it, you yeah. know, whatever. And joking, you know, hey, look, I'm sorry that nobody knows who Ray Mysterio Sr. is, but you want to let you want to be a gorilla. You've always wanted to be a gorilla. It was very tongue-in-cheek. I said, well, watch, I texted him back to watch my next tweet. So that's what I said this last tweet about him being a Guerrero, uh, uh, wanting to be a Guerrero, and using the Guerrero's name to his own benefit. Yeah. It, it could be real. I mean, if I was really, really pissed off, I could really do this and people would sure. latch onto it. So people just started going nuts and going crazy. So finally, after I started messing with them, started messing with them, I said, okay, guys, you know, I don't know what I said, like something like it's uh, uh You basically like, said you were being a heel. Hook, and sinker. That's the yeah. art of being a heel. Yeah. So I just had a little, little fun. And people still, I mean, literally, I just had somebody else going, telling me like, uh, like I, I could pick my phone around and just go start going through the tweets. And they don't want to look at the other tweets that I put like, okay, guys, wasn't real. And they're like, yeah, you're just backtracking. You're just doing this. And I'm like, oh my God, really? Are you guys that easy? They, they want to believe so bad. And people are like, oh, Eddie and Ray, Eddie and Ray. I'm like, wait a minute. You hated Eddie when he was telling Dominic that I'm your poppy and stuff like that. And you guys hated him. Now you're something like, yeah, Oh, they're they're like brothers, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they they have fondness of each other. And when Ray says, oh, people are like, oh, they were best friends. I'm like, no, they weren't best friends. I they were not best friends. I I know what you perceive now, yeah, but that's not what that was. Even when Eddie passed away, the day that Eddie passed away, Ray found out like everybody else. I didn't call Ray. You know, like there doesn't say Ray Mysterio on the shirt. <laughs> it says Eddie and Chavo. Yeah, and I put. I didn't have to put Chavito because it was me and my dad, but we might add a Dominic. <laughs> but I don't think Ray's going to make it. I love how much and they're leaning into that. you see how fast that is? It's yeah. so easy. That's the art of being a heel, like right there. He couldn't help himself. He had to slide it. He's like, oh, let me, let me, here, I'll, I'll show you. I'll slip back into heel real quick and show you. What have you ever done lately? You're washed up old. I think... Here, let me tell you what I think. 
I think, and and by the way, Chris Van Vliet, I know he's he's a very nice guy and all of that, but uh, I think he did a little bit of a disservice as a journalist by starting the question with Chavo by saying, you know, after, you know, oh, you stirred up a controversy last week, I can't believe that people think that this was real. Maybe I'm a dumb mark. Maybe I am the only one that thinks that this is real. But let me ask you. You saw Chavo now. You heard or saw Chavo say the comments at the autograph signing. Did it look tongue-in-cheek? And would you start your little heel work by saying, now this is going to sound bitter, but this isn't bitterness, and then say something bitter? He didn't walk it back in that interview at all. And he doubled down on it. And Vicky Guerrero has said as much before as well. She didn't like the use of Eddie Guerrero in some of the storylines. Like she's the fucking authority on Eddie Guerrero. She remarried to some dude who's being accused of rape right now. Accused. To Vicky's fucking daddy's daughter. So she can fuck off. For all I care. But this just, I I don't see any reason for this to be a work. And either Chavo's just the greatest fucking worker of all time and a fantastic actor, or he's saying real shit and then just sliding it under the guise of it being a, a heel work. He even said as much in this interview with Chris Van Vliet that the best heel work is using real stuff. Nah, he said that right before he went into burying Rey Mysterio some more and then just said, see, see how it works. Is that how it works, though? Or are you just taking shots at Rey Mysterio? You know, he went on to say, see, the shirt doesn't say Rey Mysterio on it. They weren't best friends. He's, he's trying to make abundantly clear. Why? Why is he trying to, if, even if that's the case, why ruin that mystique that the fans have? Why is he trying to take the piss out of Rey Mysterio? Maybe I'm getting worked. Chavo says he had a conversation with Rey and they all they had a good little hearty har har laugh about it. <clears throat> if I was Rey Mysterio, I wouldn't find it funny. Chavo's said a lot of shit about Rey, and he's said more shit about Rey in this interview. Why say it? What's he working towards? He's not in WWE. What angle is he trying to book here? And all the fans on the internet and your Chris Van Vliet's and oh, I can't believe people are falling for that. Ah, ha, you really got him, Chavo. Maybe. Maybe they got me. Maybe I'm a fucking mark. Check the chalk on my back. Maybe. But why? What's the point? Why say it? Why double down on it? Why still talk about it? Why add more to it? Why say, ah, I was just kidding. I'm just being a heel. But you want to see how it works? You just bring in a bunch of real shit. Like, hey, Rey Mysterio sucks at this and fuck him. See? It's real. Or it's, it's, it's all a work. I don't buy it. I think there's bitterness there, and I don't understand why, because Chavo is successful. He's not like a washed-up has-been. Chavo's doing great. 
He's in Hollywood now, baby. He's making that TV show money. What angle is he working? He's not returning to WWE. Is he going to stir up so much heat outside the ring that WWE is going to go, oh, my God, we got to bring Chavo into this now. Why didn't I think of that? And if that was the case, if he was really trying to work himself into an angle, then why would he come out after and say it was all a joke? That it was all work? He's just playing? He says because all the fans got all stirred up about it. Maybe. Maybe. I'm clearly stirred up about it now because... I don't see it that way. I think I see there's a there's a there's a meanness to Chavo. I, f- I fancy myself a good read of people. And there's a meanness to him. Something's bitter, angry in there. Maybe because he, you know, because he's always he, he he's putting himself over a lot too. With the when Ray comes out to the lie, cheat, and steal music, that's our music. That's me. That's my voice on there. We lie, we cheat, we steal. That was the case for the original theme song, but not the one that they're coming out to now. It was redone. I lie, I cheat, I steal. It wasn't we lie, we lie, we we cheat, we steal. Once Eddie went solo. It was when it was the Los Guerreros for a little while, and then Eddie took that theme song and they reworked it a little bit. Chavo's got a little bit of jealousy in him. I think maybe he's upset that Rey Mysterio is recognized as the guy, the the Eddie Guerrero guy. Like, Eddie's legacy lives on through Rey and then Dominic. But not through Chavo. I was like, hey, wait a minute, that's my brother, that's my family. It's his cousin, or his uncle, but it's his brother, basically. They grew up as brothers. <clears throat> Chavo's bitter. There's a bitterness to him and a little bit of spite, a little bit of meanness towards Rey Mysterio. He's got a little bit of vitriol in him. He really does. Call me a mark. Say I'm being worked. Do it. I don't care. You can't fucking tell me that this is coming from a place of love and that he's just playing with everybody. You can't. Maybe he's running with it now. Maybe he's working it now to a point because it's getting him buzz. But I don't think those comments in that original autograph session, I don't think those comments were made tongue-in-cheek. They weren't made in jest. I watched the whole two-hour interview waiting for the because I heard the news that he had said something before I actually heard him say something. Otherwise, I'm not going to spend two hours watching a Chavo Guerrero autograph signing. But I watched it. There wasn't one point where he was working or joking around about anybody else or doing anything else like that. He had a bug up his ass about Rey Mysterio coming out using Eddie stuff. Vicky had said something about it, too. I wish I knew where it was on Twitter. I'm not digging through months or even a year of Vicky Guerrero's tweets to find it for you. I'm a podcast journalist, but I don't love you guys that much. I'm not that big of a podcast journalist. But it's out there. She's mentioned it, too. I think the entire Guerrero family is probably pretty... pretty they have a hair up their ass about this. I don't know why. 
Because first of all, WWE owns the likenesses to the character that was used on TV at that time of Eddie Guerrero. Latino heat. Lie, cheat, and steal. It's all WWE shit. They can use it if they want to. LWO, Chavo took a shot at that. Ray wasn't even in the LWO. That was my stuff. That's what he's bitter about. I'm telling you, that's what he's bitter about. WWE is doing a storyline now with Ray Mysterio that Chavo thinks that could probably easily be him. Should be him, perhaps. Like if you're going to do that story, why aren't you doing it with me? I'm the actual Guerrero family member. Maybe I'm reading this completely wrong. I would love for you to let me know down in the comments below what you think about this. Am I being worked? Am I a giant mark? Am I overreacting? Am I reading too much into it? Or am I calling it like it fucking is? Or at least as I see it. That Chavo Guerrero's got some kind of hair up his ass about this Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, LWO, Lie, Cheat, and Steal... Lowrider, all the shit they've been doing to tribute Eddie lately, using it in the storylines with Dominic. It's bugging the Guerrero family. Look, maybe they have they have every right to be upset about this. But then why hide it? Why backtrack it? Because <clears throat> you know it makes you sound bitter. And that's why you said, I'm not trying to be bitter here. I think that's a concern that Chavo has so I don't know I'm probably just a giant mark but I, I just don't in what to what ends if he's working why is he working for what to what just to mess with people on Twitter no you know what he did he said something stupid at the end of a two hour long autograph session it was probably a long day he was probably bored of it sick and tired he was being fed beers during the autograph signing, loose lips, a little bit of alcohol flowing, a little bit of grumpiness, and that comes out. And then, uh-oh, it's starting to make news about it. Chavo defends himself because he actually feels that way, doubles down. Then the internet really starts going nuts, and that's where he's got to pull it back and be like, okay, all right. Tell you what, guys, it was just a work. I was just kidding. It was all a work. Ah, you're all a bunch of marks. I got gotcha. you. But then I'm going to go do an interview with Chris Van Vliet, and I'm going to take a few more jabs at Rey Mysterio and the LWO and all of that. Laugh about how it is possible that maybe, maybe Dominic is a Guerrero. Ha, ha, ha. See, I'm just working. I don't like it. I don't like it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think Chavo Chavo has. I, I always liked Chavo. I was fond of Chavo. Not a fan of Chavo. He was never like. I was never like ooh Chavo. But I mean, I didn't not like him either. You know, I had respect for him. But I feel like this lowers it a little bit. I see the bitterness coming out. Maybe I'm a mark. Let me know in the comments. I'm gonna go ahead and move on to the next. Viva la raza. Well, we got off to a rough start at the beginning of this year in the pro wrestling world with the tragic and untimely passing of Jamin Pugh, a.k.a. Jay Briscoe. It shocked the wrestling world. 
Everybody was uh, rightfully very, very upset about this, very distraught, in disbelief. But one of the people who held strong in his beliefs and helped keep everybody else's chin up. This was the guy at the funeral trying to cheer everybody up and tell everybody to quit being such a fucking... Don't be all sad about this. We'll celebrate, you boy. That, of course, is Jay's brother, Mark Briscoe. Mark Briscoe, now a solo act after his brother's passing and has now been signed to the AEW roster and has been involved on TV in this uh, FTR and uh, Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal feud thing going on. I like it. I like the, uh, the, the gimmick that they did at the farm. They went to the Briscoe farm and Papa Briscoe on there. It's good shit. It was a great skit, actually. It was hilarious. And I'm starting to be a fan of Jeff Jarrett now, too, through all of this. I think he's being used really well. Uh, but I digress. It was Mark Briscoe on Talk Is Jericho this week talking about how he did have that strength after Jay died, why he was able to carry on to keep his chin up and motivate everybody else around him. And he also talks about if he still feels the spirit of Jay Briscoe with him. Check out these clips. Me and Jay are so one in the same. It's like we're already one in the same. So it's like I don't need the affirmation. Mm. I don't need the confirmation that, hey, brother, I'm all right. I, I ain't doubted since from the, the when it happened. It's like at first, of course, a total like what the – hell is going on in it but then it was it wasn't it wasn't an hour and i had made peace with the fact that he's fine and i know that he's fine and i can feel that he's fine and that now we just got to we gotta carry on and do what we gotta do down here especially for his kids and mm. for you know his wife and my mom you know dad too but do you feel his presence? Do you- I really, truly do. Yeah. I really, truly do. And it's like more so than anywhere else is when the music hits and I'm walking through the ring. It's like it really is. It's like a, it's just a, a strange feeling because that was, you know, that was our thing. We were wrestling before. We were wrestling each other before – you know, we probably were even out of diapers and, you know, from the time we're kids, like, yeah, wrestling is what makes it, like, I feel him more mm. wrestling, even though everything reminds me of him. You, you know what I mean? I can't go anywhere, do anything without thinking of him. But when I really, really feel him is when that music hits and mm. it's it's time to go, time to go do what we do, you know? So what was it like uh, for you when you come to AEW and finally you're on the show and your very first match was against Jay Lethal, another another very close friend of yours. You wrestled quite a bit. How, how was that night for you, uh, first time on your own? Jay had such, whether it was, you know, warranted or whatever the word is I'm looking here for, he had such, such guilt that we never did make it to TV on a national felt it was his fault. Mm. You know what I mean? He felt it was his fault. And I, it's so weird that, like, that first night being his birthday, it was almost like, wow, it's like this is his gift to me type thing. Like, 
his gift to us. Mm-hmm. Like, like he would like for one, I just know how strong he was in his faith and his perspective and his thought on, you know what I mean? God and eternity and stuff. So, so I know that he was not afraid to die. You know, he didn't want to leave any of us. He didn't, especially his, his kids, you know what I mean? His family, he, of course he would never want to leave them without him. But I n- know that he did not fear death. I know he had no, he didn't fear death. And so I feel like I, even more so than, like I say, like my mom or a lot of other people that are, would have been so close to him, me and him spent more time riding the roads, you know, and just we had that connection where we had the same the same mindset, the same brain. And then it's like here we are on his birthday, a week after he passed, and he's like, he's like, there you go, chick. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, baby. Like, go ahead. Do what we do. You know what I mean? Do what we do. What we do you know? Because I told everybody, I was like, like how, how you blah, blah, blah. How you do this? How you? I'm like, if I went and, and balled up in a corner and cried and was sad and it just couldn't function, Jamin would would do whatever he could do in his afterlife powers to haunt my ass and <laughs> make me, baby, what the hell are you doing? You know what I mean? like, come on, dog. Like, come on. Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Like, that's what he would be like. But but then just to, for that to happen, and the timing that it happened, the, just the timing of it, it's like, well, this is the next step. I'm carrying on, you know what I mean? I'm carrying on for me and him. I'll tell you, as a wrestling fan, we've seen a lot of people pass. You know, we've lost so many people as wrestling fans. And uh, a lot of them untimely. Most of them untimely. But this one, this one hit me harder than most. I think it was because he was just coming off of that feud with FTR. Looking like he was about to kind of have the peak of his career, really. Uh, Height of popularity. Tension. Ah, it was just so sad and tragic, and the kids and the way he died and everything. But it was Mark Briscoe's strength that really kind of pulled everybody else through. You know, if Mark ain't crying about this, then nobody else needs to cry about it either. Like Mark said, if he would have went and cried in the corner like a little bitch about it or something, that Jay would have haunted his ass and told him to get the fuck up and get back to work. He feels Jay with him when he comes out to the ring. I don't doubt it at all. I'm a spiritual guy. Not a religious guy, but I'm a spiritual guy. And I absolutely believe in spirits and afterlifes and energies. And I do believe that when Mark walks down that aisle, Jay is going to be right there with him because Jay was always right there with him. Jay ain't going to be off doing something else when there's a wrestling show going on and Mark's on his way to the ring. Jay's going to be standing there right there with him in Gorilla. Walk down that aisle. I think there's a certain, uh, I believe in that shit. And I think, uh, you know, Jay, uh, Mark has said that he's very religious that Jay was especially very religious, and that's what got him in trouble with that tweet, as a matter of fact. And it's sad that Jay was always always had carried around that guilt that he was the reason that the Briscoes never made it further. Because of that one stupid fucking tweet. 
Now Mark feels like this was Jay's gift to Mark after he left. His final goodbye. Here you go, baby. Do your thing. I love that. I love Mark's whole outlook on this. You know, right after Jay passed, Mark made a statement that was so like, hey man. Jay's doing good. He's up there now. He's home. If you're religious or even spiritual, then you believe that there's peace and happiness and eternity after this life. This life is just momentary. If you believe that, then you can believe everything that Mark had to say in this conversation with Chris Jericho. It was a very fun conversation. He talked about the fights that they would get in. I almost clipped out some of those, but it was already going to be too long of a clip and stuff. But yeah, because <laughs> Jericho was curious because Jericho did a tribute show to Jay after his passing and had interviewed a bunch of guys. And that was something uh, I think Samoa Joe, I actually had it as a clip on, on this show. Uh, Samoa Joe was, uh, talked about how Mark and Jay would always get in fights and stuff. <laughs> And uh, so Mark told some of those fun stories and talked about how he thought Jay would just do it to fuck with him sometimes just to pick on his little brother. <laughs> so at the end of the day, it's his little brother, you know, and your little brothers, big brothers do to little brothers, well, big brothers do to little brothers, you know what I mean? But uh, <clears throat> fantastic, charming as fuck conversation with Mark Briscoe. The guy is an absolute gem of a human being. Sweet as all hell. Kind, funny, effortlessly funny. He's just funny in the way that he talks and thinks and describes things. And oh man, what a what a fucking prize of a human being this guy is, Mark Briscoe. And I hope he's utilized well. You know, he's probably I think still primarily part of Ring of Honor, but I hope he's used well on AEW TV too. You know, right now they're still trying to find his place. And that's going to take a little bit of time. Give it some time. Figure out how to book Mark Briscoe. Because, you know, without Jay, it's like Mark was the goofier one, right? He was the crazy, goofy guy. <clears throat> but he's a fighter, too. So you can't, you make him like a, a badass fighter. Do you make him like a, a comic relief? Or what do you do with him exactly? You got to figure that out and find that balance. So. Give AEW a little bit of uh, grace and a little bit of time to figure that out. But go listen to this interview on Talk is Jericho with Mark Briscoe. Charming as all fuck. A hell of a guy. Sweet guy. And uh, if you believe what he believes in any way, then you know that every time he walks down that aisle, Jay Briscoe's standing right next to him. I spit in the face of people don't want to be cool I used to love Carlito Carlito was my fucking guy when he came out I was instantly a Carlito fan didn't take long at all you know he was kind of put over John Cena quickly he was immediately given the United States title upon his like debut I believe um, so it took a minute I suppose but it didn't take very long at all to catch on to this guy's fucking cool he was cool. You often hear that Vince McMahon kind of names people or or he looks for real life things, right? Like, oh, you played hockey? You're the goon. 
And I'll go get some boots that look like ice skates. You like turkey? Okay, you're the gobbledygooker. Go crack out of an egg. A red rooster. You like roosters? Sure, Terry Taylor loved roosters, huh? He loves a good cock. But, uh... Carlito was a fucking awesome character, man. Like, one... That was... He just exudes cool. He's very cool. You know what I mean? Like, he's got that laid-back, chill energy. He's not intense. He's not over the top. He's not... His speech is... He gets frustrated and hot sometimes. He gets that hot Latina temp, Latino temper, but he's still like, still laid back and chill. By all accounts, the girls loved Carlito. It was big with the chicks. Carlito did the uh, for the love of wrestling. He was one of the people that sat down. It was a big convention over in the UK, and he sat down and did a full in-ring shoot interview. And he was asked about this character. This cool character. The hair and the spit and the apple and all that shit. Where did it come from? Check out this clip. Um, did anyone refuse to get the apple spout in their face? It's actually the opposite. For some reason, people like, uh, like you said, like talking about Badge of Honor, some people like, but like you tell me, oh, I'm going you know, to spin your face. And, oh, yes, thank you. Or I'll, I'll, I'll get on the street, too, for some reason. People will ask me, they'll say, how much would you charge to spit my face? Like, why would you want that? I can't think of anybody that I'd want to spit in my face. Have people brought you apples like at a Comic-Con to do that to them? All the time. Really? Yeah. yeah. And do you just decline politely? I decline because I think there's a lawsuit somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you can just go around doing that. And Imagine that lawsuit. And such an interesting character. How did the character come about? How did the apple come about? How did the phrase come about? Uh, well, when I first got to OVW, which is, you know, the developmental, uh, whatever it was back in those days, I, I used to shave my head when I was younger. I didn't like my I didn't like my hair. I was I was ashamed not ashamed of it, but I didn't I didn't think my hair was cool. No pun intended. Um, and then when I got there, everybody had their head bald. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna grow my hair out. And then I just got lazy. And then all of a sudden, people just started noticing how wild my hair was. And I thought, okay, let's let's go with that. And then the apple spitting. Uh, if you notice, if you look at old Razor Ramon um, promos, you, yep. mine are all basically ripoffs of that. And then in one of those, he spat something at some guy, and in mine, it was an apple. And then Vince saw that, and he said, okay, I like it, kid. I want you to keep spitting apples at people's faces. Yeah. And then I asked him, I said, I'm the one spinning the apples? He goes, yeah, okay, yeah, I got no problem with that. I can do that all, I can do that all day. He's still cool. He's still the fucking man. Still charming as all hell. <clears throat> and and his return, or his, his debut, his little spot there, the run-in, at Backlash in Puerto Rico. And I had thought that, too, going into that show, especially when I saw Savio Vega. I was like, what, no Carlito? Yeah, they got Carlito, too. Carlito's the shit. I don't know why he, he said in this interview, you know, because he was asked as he thought about going to AEW or Impact or WWE again. And he said nobody calls. It's not like he's turning this shit down or just doesn't want to or he's happy doing the indies. He stays busy on the indies. Matter of fact, he just I think he he had just put out there that uh his booking price probably go up now that he was back at uh <laughs> back back in WWE for backlash, but uh 
He said nobody calls him. Why doesn't anybody call Carlito? What's your problem? I think Carlito doesn't like to work the schedule. Is that it? It's just too much. He's not trying to be on on the road full time or anything. So who would call him? AEW could. They're not on the road full time. What would they do with a Carlito, though? That's the other thing. What do you do with a Carlito? When he was the young, cocky, upcoming heel, it made sense. Now he's kind of a wily veteran. I don't know. Maybe you put him at the top of the card. You see how that goes. I, I just don't know. Like, honestly, like, I'd be open to ideas. I just, I don't know that, like, I would want Carlito, but I wouldn't know how to use Carlito. I'm sure I could think of something if I tried, but I thought he was booked really well, at least in his first incarnation. And then the rumors started kind of coming out that he was a little bit lazy and you could see his body was getting uh, not flabbier. He was just losing tone. It was like he wasn't really trying anymore, half ass and everything. And uh, I believe that had been said about him and that the office had kind of lost faith in him. <clears throat> Became complacent. Certainly not now. Look how fucking jacked this man is. Jacked to the gills. Carlito's still fairly young. I think he could have another run in him. Maybe Impact would be a great place to try to scoop up a Carlito. Or even NWA. Why doesn't Billy Corgan reach out to Carlito? Maybe he costs too much. I don't know. He should be used more. I don't think he should be... Uh, restricted to just the indies, but that's just my opinion. I was always a Carlito fan. Loved the man to death. Very cool. Always liked the apple spit in the face. That was always over with me. What are your guys' thoughts? What do you think of Carlito? Caribbean cool. Leave your thoughts down in the comments below. What would you think of his big return at Backlash? Should they use him more? How would you use Carlito? If you were to bring him back, what would you do with him? Put him in a title run? Tag him up with somebody? Manager? He's a little bit too big to be a manager. Carlito, man. Fucking cool as all hell. Here comes the axe. Here comes the axe, and here comes the smasher. Right? Right? Fucking demolition. Everybody turned away already. Nobody's like, <laughs> fuck this guy in this video. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's a great theme song, and it is one of my favorites, if not my all-time favorite theme song. Love me some Demolition. Demolition recently resurfaced. They were also part of this for the Love of Wrestling convention over in the UK. And they also sat down for one of these in-ring shoot interviews that I've been covering here on the show. And that uh, was one of the things they were asked about was that theme song. You know, how fucking cool was it to have that theme song? <laughs> Apparently, I'm not the only one who loves it. A lot of people love that old uh, Jim Johnston demolition fucking banger. Um, was it a Jim Johnston or was that a was that a Jimmy Hart banger? Jimmy Hart bang out that one? Credit to one of those two fuckers anyway. I don't know. But demolition, they were there. They were old. They were fat. They were barely painted up. But they were there. 
and they were there to answer the fans' questions. And uh, one of the fans asked flat out, dude, because we've, there's been a glaring omission in the WWE Hall of Fame. Well, there's lots of, there always has been over the years, and there still are. <clears throat> but one glaring omission in the tag team division, specifically, demolition. And let's not wait till they die. Let's give them their flowers while they're alive. And there's reasons why people say that they might not be there. We can speculate that more on the backside, but check out this clip of Axe and Smash together again, talking about how they feel about being snubbed from the WWE Hall of Fame. Everyone here knows you're one of the best, if not the best of all time. Um, how does it feel today that you're not in the Hall of Fame? Does that bother you, or you're not that bothered? Well, it... It would be a nice footnote to be included, but we have no control over that. The nice thing is when we come to events like this, people like you and people that meet us at the table tell us that we belong there. So we know that there's support, but as far it's it's all up to one person. Now he's got a mustache. Kind of looks like he's in a porno flick or something, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it looks like, uh, yeah. First of all, don't even fucking tell me that they don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. There's a lot of people that don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame that are. Demolition would not be one of them. Demolition is one of the all-time greatest tag teams in the entire history of this business, Period. I don't care what anybody says, and I don't care that they were put together to be a, a copy of the Road Warriors. They were able to quickly stand out on their own. And though they were similar to the Road Warriors with the paint and the beatdown and the metal music and the studs instead of the spikes or whatever, it doesn't matter. They stood out. They had those creepy masks that they wore. Look, back in the 80s, it wasn't bondage. Not like it is now. Now you look at them and think they were going to some kind of BDSM kink show. You know, they were going to go fucking spank somebody in the ring or something with a paddle. But back then, they were just tough guys. Mean, tough guys. And they were, they were one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Tag team champions, I think a couple times, right? Once as baby faces and once as a heel. I don't know. Worked with the Hart Foundation, the, the fucking British Bulldogs, Andre the Giant and Haku. Road Warriors. Demolition were the fucking one of the, the Rockers, one of the greatest tag teams in an era of greatest tag teams, the 80s. Mid-80s had a huge tag team boom. Just look at the tag teams up and down the roster when Demolition had their run. And it was sad when it came to the end there where Crush kind of replaced Axe. <clears throat> and that was the beginning of the end. And within a year, we had the Repo Man and Kona Crush. Right? The, uh, what did he... Aloha. Cranium Crunch on the video game. His finisher was the Cranium Crunch. And then he had the Heart Punch as a bad guy. 
Never liked Crush. Was never a Crush guy. Never got the point of Crush. Well, I remember the the Hasbro action figures had the three pack Axe Smash and Crush. Right? They had a three pack, didn't they? I know they had all three of the figures. I think they came together. <clears throat> They're absolutely a Hall of Fame worthy tag team. Not just not just as demolition, but fuck, Bill Eady was as mass superstar, had a whole other run. And and fucking so did uh so did Barry Darso, you know, not not just the repo man and, and whatever the fuck he was in uh <laughs> In, in WCW when he went over there, but before that he was, uh, what he was Khrushchev, right? Uh, Crusher Khrushchev was that him? And uh, <clears throat> they're just blatantly a Hall of Fame worthy tag team. And I like that Axe says that like, look, yeah, it kind of sucks, but every time we do these convention type things, we always hear from our fans that we should be in the Hall of Fame, and that's validation because they should be. And it's a tragedy that they're not. And I hope to fucking God that they get put in before they die, before time runs out. They should be um, a team that should be put in next year. Do it now. ASAP, before it's too late. You don't want to do them posthumously. Have those guys come out in their face paint to that music. Sweep all your bullshit under the rug. Oh, they filed a lawsuit against me. So what? Sable sued you and you brought her right back like a year later. Ultimate Warrior sued you a bunch of times. People sue. People sue. You get sued, WWE. Doesn't mean you can't work with the guy again. Might not like him. Jesse Ventura, another guy that sued fucking WWE and still work with them years later. You can't tell me that you Vince has always worked around personal grudges. Let's get over this personal grudge. Put demolition in the Hall of Fame. That's it, y'all. That is the end of the show. I told you it'd be a little bit shorter this week. Though I don't think it came in too too short. Um, but not a lot of, not a lot of wide variety of clips out there to go through. There's always, I mean, the podcasts are out there, but what am I going to fucking pull a clip of Satnam Singh from the fucking AEW Unrestricted podcast? Meh. The almost clip. Nobody cared about that last week. So it's like, are you you're really going to care about Satnam fucking Singh? No. So, uh, you know, it's not just about filling the show with garbage. You know, you want to pull what's newsworthy. And if if there's not enough newsworthy, then I'm not going to try to fluff it out for you guys and waste your fucking time or my time. I'm going to sit here and try to fill fucking five, ten minutes on Satnam Singh. Fuck that. So... Here we are, the end of the show. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me. I really, really do. I am uh, looking to produce more content. I know I've been saying that for a while, <laughs> but I swear to God, it's on my it's on my uh, things to do as soon as humanly possible. Um, looking at possibly doing a, at least one new show, which would just kind of be like an audio journal. I've done it before. It's called Live to Tape. It's already I've already done a few episodes as just the podcast. I'm gonna take that to a video format and possibly start doing that. 
We'll see. We'll see where it goes. I'm also thinking about maybe a live show. I don't know yet. We'll uh, take a look at all the options, things to do, get back into the reactions. I love making content. I love recording the content. That's why That's why I'm getting the urge, man. I get that tickle to come down and just fucking talk about shit. Problem is, once you do all that, and you got to do stuff with that. <clears throat> you know? I got to take that video, and I got to fucking clean it. Audio, visual. Then I got to fucking edit it. Upload it. It's a lot of work. <clears throat> I know I say this every week. I do. <laughs> I don't even know why I bother you guys with this. It's my uh, it's my my eternal conflict of wanting to be a, a full-time content producer and not having full time to do it. But such is my burden. That is uh, that's just my problem, I guess. But that's all I got for you. I don't know. Fuck it. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, no wrestling this weekend, but I expect a pretty huge week next week with the announcement of AEW Collision and possibly the whole TV deal, the whole shebang coming out next week. So probably be a lot of coverage going on around that. So check in next week because I'm excited to talk about it and I'm going to cover it in depth as long, long form even. You know, I'm going to spend some time on it. So Look forward to that. But that's all I got for you. Like, follow, subscribe at Seth Grimes Media, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. Hit that subscribe button down below on YouTube if you're still watching here. And if you're listening on the podcast, why haven't you followed or subscribed yet? Come on, man. Peace, love, and pizza. I am your boy, Seth Grimes, and this has been the Pro Wrestling Podcast. Podcast. <laughs>